Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 598 for June 18th, 2019. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Oleksandr Kosovan, CEO of MacPaw, makers of SetApp and Clean My Mac. This recording was actually made during WWDC week. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about how this recording was made. It's relevant to a future review that you'll be hearing on the NoSilicast. This was my first interview using the Zoom H4n Pro portable recorder. Now, in this interview, I'm using the built-in microphones, and after I recorded this interview, I discussed the mic orientation with Chuck Joyner, and it pains me very much to tell you that he explained to me that I probably had the device rotated 90 degrees off from its optimal position. Now, don't worry, the audio is very clear, and I'm, I'm not making excuses about this, but I want to explain what you're listening to. We're in a large room with a giant plate of glass window behind me, so there's more room echo than you're used to hearing. None of this detracts from the interview, but I'll be reviewing this Zoom H4M Pro recorder this week, and I wanted you to keep this audio in mind as you listen to how I improve on how to use the device. Okay, that's enough talk about how I recorded this interview. Let's listen to Oleksandr Kosovan from MacPaw and hear him talk about setup and a few other very interesting details about what he does behind the scenes to help technology. Well, I'm here with Oleksandr Kosovan, who is the CEO and founder of MacPaw, creators of both SetApp and Clean My Mac. Thanks for agreeing to be on the show. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Great to be here. Yeah, so um, just a little bit of background on you. You're from uh, Kiev in uh, in Ukraine, correct? Yeah, I, I'm originally from Western Ukraine, but I, then I moved to Kiev when I was a student and then stayed there. <laughs> so, you know, I understand part of your background is you were a, a Unix sysadmin at one time? Yeah, it used to be a long time ago. I used to be, a, I used to run um, like very heavy servers. Uh, I managed uh, the network for the organization in Ukraine, Kazakhstan, and Russia. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so it was interesting times. <laughs> so, but you come from your nerd background, honestly, right? Yeah. <laughs> a, a good geek from way back. Well, I want to focus mostly on setup, which is what's really intriguing me lately. Um, can you explain to the audience what setup is? What's your elevator speech for that? Yeah, so SetApp is a like next generation app store. Uh, it is only like a subscription, so it's like Netflix for Mac applications only. So you can use any number of the apps in SetApp and pay only a single price per month, like nine ninety nine per month. So it's that easy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we were at a, I watched you on a panel today where they were talking about different subscription models and whether people. It was a, a bunch of developers talking about the effect of subscription models on on. Uh, the uh, people who buy your products, and I've said to the to you guys that I found that it seems like the people are less annoyed by subscriptions than they were for a while. There, for a while, it was everybody was just it was all hate, right? And now yeah. people are more used to it. People probably did not understood the benefits of the subscription, and mm -hmm. also uh, a lot of developers misused the subscription in, in many ways. So they were trying to apply it for the wrong products or trying to. Uh, justify it for, for the wrong price, etc. So right now, I, I, I believe like the, both developers and, and users know how to use them right, and maybe it's getting easier for everyone. Yeah, yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I also think you, you tipped on one piece there of the wrong price. Uh, I'm not a fan of Adobe's pricing. I mean, I think that's just bananas. I mean, I know there's people who will pay it who are you know, corporations, that sort of thing. That makes sense. But for the consumer, that's just way, there's way better alternatives like Affinity Photo. I just, I don't think they're hitting the mark. 
But looking at setup, $9.99 a month. Can I call it 10 bucks a month? Yes, it's easier sure. to say. Um, 10 bucks a month, you get access to everything that's in setup. And one of the things that I think is the strength of setup is there isn't an enormous number of apps. And it's not like there's a thousand apps. It's 150 it's right 150. Now, but okay. they're very well curated, and we try to pick only the best apps we can find on the mock market. Uh, so you, you don't find, like, junk apps on the set. Right. There's no fart apps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I wanted to ask you, how do you go about curating that? I mean, who do you have a team of people who scans for the coolest stuff? Yeah, we have the internal review team that uh, monitors the market continuously in, in a lot of places. So they pick the best apps for the job. And we have like a list okay. of different jobs uh, that people do on their machines. And we try to pick like best three apps that can do this job. And then we reach developers. We try to negotiate the deal with them and bring them on, on board. I like that you say it's it's not necessarily just the best app in that. Like uh, I'm a big fan of iThoughts, but I, I used to use MindNode. And people ask me why I stopped using MindNode, and I can't remember. But since I have a setup subscription, I'm going to go back and try MindNode for a while and just see what do I like about it, what do I like better about my iThoughts, you know, and I, I don't have to choose anymore. I can Maybe I want to use one for one kind of project and one for another, and it seems to be that I get to have the best of both worlds with setup. Um, and it is really important to have a competition inside the market in this mm. platform because, like uh, as you said, like some people love one apps for one reason, uh, and other people for uh, for another. So, and uh, I think the apps should compete between each other because otherwise they will just relax. And <laughs> <laughs> we don't want anybody relaxing. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met a relaxed developer. Actually, I don't know that that's a big danger. But uh, so um, I'm curious. So. What I've been amazed by is how many high-quality apps are in there. Uh, in fact, when I when I first got a subscription, I eventually stopped because what I realized was the big stuff that I love is in setup. But I love it because I already bought it. So I was like, well, I don't need a setup subscription because I, I mean, there's like 10 or 12 high-quality apps that I live on, and they're all in setup. So I was running around telling everybody else, well, you should get set up and you should get it up, but it's not right for me. Well, but then eventually I came back because I started going, well, I'm going to buy this app. Hey, it's over in setup, you know, and hey, this one, and hey, this one. I mean, I've got hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of apps that if, if I was starting today, I would absolutely just help people get a setup subscription. Um, so I am a believer. I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't believe in it. Thank you. But every once in a while, I find an app where I go, no. This one is not worthy of being in setup. Is there a feedback loop where somebody can say, no, this one isn't really in that category that I think? Well, we actually removed several apps over the years uh, okay. from setup. Uh, it wasn't a big number, but like, like four apps already removed. Okay. Uh, so like, there are still developers that we thought are doing a great job, but for some reason they are not updating their apps timely mm. or not reacting to user feedbacks. And I think this is why we need this Duration team yeah. uh, that will continuously work this out. And so keep calling the ones that if they stop paying attention. I mean, and I would never call out an app developer. Luckily, I can't even remember which app it was, but I remember installing it and going, no, that didn't work at all. And I thought, you know, I wonder if they would want to know that I did that, whether that would be a feedback that you guys would want. Well, definitely we care about each user feedback. It's really important for us, and we sometimes make some decisions based on this. So oh, you so. have to say that. that would, come on, everybody. <laughs> well, actually, we, we actually do because like we built a lot of tools to to get customers' feedback and like continuously do some <laughs> product updates based on that. Oh, good. That's good. really important. So you don't hate your users. We love them. You like them. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a way to go. 
Um, so this is, I, I don't know if this is a question out of bounds or not, but uh, one of the people in the audience today brought up the 30% cut that Apple takes and called it, um, what was his exact words? He said it was organized crime. Uh <laughs> Have you publicized what percentage you guys give to your uh, Well, it seems like we are criminals too. <laughs> 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 uh, like we also cut so like 30%. Okay. Uh, but uh, actually we have a partner program uh, where we can give back 20% when developers bring us customers. So for example, when you promote your app to your existing audience and some of these uh, people will uh, join setup, you will get 20% oh. additional to your revenue uh, for the app. So Oh, that's interesting. Uh, interesting. I, I don't know. I, I understand the cost of running businesses, and I'm not a developer, so maybe that's why my perspective is that 30% sounds like a reasonable number to me. I mean, I don't know. But. Well, in a lot of cases, uh, like, uh, some, sometimes people do not uh, underestimate the efforts uh, oh, yeah. to bring in the customers uh, to, to the product. Yeah. And all of this marketing efforts, they're really expensive. So, right, right. Like, 30% cat is even um, it's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to run an engineering computing organization where we would we basically leased out computers to our customers and they would say, well, that computer only costs $10,000. So, well, yeah, but it, it wouldn't be on your desk for 10000 because you haven't paid somebody to write up a requisition and to buy it and to install it and, and to pay electricity for it and put the software on it and maintain it. And, you, and they were all always like, yeah, but it only costs $10,000. They could not see outside of that. But having run that, I think I'm a little more sympathetic to the, uh, to the background behind that of, of, of what's in the, in the products. And uh, especially right now when everything is in the cloud, like there are so many uh, things happening in the cloud infrastructure, and this mm. all costs some continuous money, especially when the customer base grows. Oh, so, yeah. like, and subscription is a good answer to that. Yeah, I think so. So um, Brett Terpstra wrote an interesting blog post, I don't know if you saw, about how he said, if you have an app that you really like, that you bought, but you also have a, sub- a setup subscription, you should use the setup subscription so that the developer gets paid more. And, and there's so much interesting in that. That suggests that the, the customers actually care about the developers, which I think some do. Uh, but I, I wondered what you thought of that, uh, that blog post. Well, it's actually what we recommend developers to do, even to add some, for example, notification in the, inside their regular app. When they detect setup version, they can just tell users, like, you can switch to a setup version. Oh. And this will benefit developers uh, for sure. Oh, interesting. Now, my first instinct was I did the exact opposite. When I, when I first went into setup, I found Cloud Outliner which is exactly the kind of outlining tool I wanted. I didn't want a big, heavy outlining tool. I just wanted to be able to make outlines with little indents. It was exactly what I wanted, and I liked it so much, I bought it outside of setup. But now I'm like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should be using the setup version. Am I, am I not helping right? I paid everybody, though. Well, actually, this is also a great way to support developers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if nothing else, setup is a great discovery tool because you can just try stuff. Expensive stuff, serious applications like like uh, Ulysses. You know, you can give them a try and see if it is for you. And the other good thing is that, like we adding more and more apps every month, so people love this discovery process. Mm-hmm. And we hear a lot and hear a lot of stories like uh, I found the app I didn't know existed and I love it. Yeah, and I would probably never bought it directly from the developer unless it was in setup. Yeah, so this is like a very good story for these developers. I uh, thought I knew all of the photography apps, but I just discovered Camera Bag Plus or Pro. That's in uh, which is it, Plus or Pro? I forget. Yeah. 
uh, but it's in setup, and I started looking at it going, wow, this thing's amazing. I'm about to do a review on that soon because I never discovered it, and I thought I knew all of the, the you know the players, and it's a really unique perspective on doing the same kind of thing. Um, now, one of the things that really surprised me, and maybe the audience, my audience doesn't know this, is that these aren't deprecated versions. They're not like the light version or the version that's about to go away. Like it's version, you get a bundle and the bundle always had like version two, but version three came out a month after you bought the bundle. These are the real versions. Yeah, uh, the exactly. full versions. This is like the agreement that we have with the developers. Mm-hmm. So the apps should be fully functional without any uh, in-app purchases. So everything mm-hmm. you had in the in-app purchases should be built in into the step version. And uh, of course, all of the major upgrades should be included. So yeah. like once like you pay as a customer as a subscription, you will expect all of that. Right. And actually, it's a very good customer experience because you don't have to make all of these choices every time. You just... You just use the app you love, and everything is included. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing um, Steve actually asked me, and I didn't know the answer to, if I don't have an internet connection, do I have trouble getting to those apps? Uh, no. Uh, like, we built a special mechanism when you can be offline for about two weeks. Okay. Uh, so we try to check the license updates uh, in the background if we don't see uh, the internet connection. So we, we just use the cache license. Uh, so you can go offline for a while and, okay. and be able to use all of your apps. So when we went on that riverboat down the Brahmaputra River in, in India and we had one kilobyte per second uh, uh, downloads, not kilobits, kilobytes, uh, but it would have still worked as long as yeah, on as either end of it of two weeks I checked in. Yeah, and as long as you downloaded this app before. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Okay, yeah, you couldn't go get new apps. Yeah, that would make sense. So I want to do... Um, is there anything else you wanted to tell me about setup that I haven't been smart enough to, to ask about? Well... We get a lot of positive feedback again uh, regarding the app discovery, as you said. Like for well, people are trying to solve uh, problems, they go to find for the apps in set app first, mm-hmm. and sometimes they do find <laughs> a great apps for that, and then go search in the web. So this is like a really cool story for us as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, you don't restrict. I, I just learned today that you don't restrict the vendors from uh, the developers from distributing any way they want. So no, we don't. Uh, iSnap Menus is one of the best applications ever written, and every Mac should have it on it. And, and uh, Mark from Bajango was talking, and he said, he said I get to have my key key needed too. I sell direct through Bajango, I sell it through the Mac App Store, and I sell it on Setup. And it's I can be everywhere. Yeah, we have no exclusivity requirements or something like that. And actually, for developers, it's, uh, it, it is just an additional marketplace where they can sell their apps. Yeah, yeah, one that's getting a good name and getting attention because discoverability is one of the hardest things, right? Yeah. And like we have our own audience already, so so you don't have to invest a lot in into this new marketplace. All right, you just right. come here, and this is like just additional revenue stream for you. Okay, okay, yeah. It seems like it, it just feels really good. It's a it's a pretty app too. It's very pretty. I know. I felt bad. One of the developers said, "Oh, did you see the new version?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, should I have noticed?" And he said, "Well, they're rounded rectangles now." <laughs> Apparently, there was a big controversy. About that. Yeah, it was controversial, but it was done on purpose. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all these rounded, rounded rectangles are across uh, all of our brand right now. So, okay. uh, it's kind of. Uh, 
you will remember that after a while. (laughs) (laughs) They seemed quite proud of it. They had had a good laugh about that. So it it is interesting to me, uh, you're from Ukraine, and the developers that we've met here uh, over the uh, course of WWDC are all from Ukraine. How did Ukraine suddenly become this mecca of of tech talent? I mean, I think you've had some influence on that from what I've been reading. Actually, Ukraine is probably a secret weapon of the Silicon Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are a lot of great universities in Ukraine, tech universities, where where a lot of people uh, become coders. And, uh, of course, Ukraine is well known for outsourcing companies. Uh, We have uh, dozens of them, pretty large. And this is like a very good starting point to uh, to do programming, engineering, uh, and, and similar stuff. So, okay, uh, I, I do remember. Um, well, I, I want to get more into this. So, but uh, you've started a venture capital fund to start making it. Do you call it Smirks? S M R K S. S M R K. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it without saying Smirks, but that's what I remember <laughs> for. But uh, so it's a venture capital firm dedicated to trying to grow. Small uh, tech firms? Yeah, so we invest in local startups from Ukraine uh, mostly uh, because, like, we know the market, we see a huge potential in the people uh, in Ukraine, Mm -hmm. and uh, we help them grow their business and go outside to the world. So we are like specifically selecting. projects that are targeting like western markets and they're doing some products for, for, for people around the world okay why, why western markets uh, money uh, <laughs> well because we understand it better okay. it's a very well developed market uh, it, it is, has huge potential uh, there and uh, well I guess it's a good way, way to go yeah yeah I was just thinking versus looking at China. Uh, but looking to the Western world is that's that's a two different decision base there, right? Yeah, and we, we don't understand anything about China. We are <laughs> not successful there yet. Okay. Uh, we haven't been able to uh, to nail it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's I don't understand anything about it either. I'm not suggesting I do. <laughs> uh, you started an Apple museum. Yeah, and tell us the story of that. How how did that happen? Where where, where did are you just that guy who had a bunch of stuff in your closet? Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, but I'm a huge Apple fan and evangelist. So when I started my career, uh, I started like from a single uh, MacBook laptop. Actually, I heard you started with a keyboard. Yeah, the keyboard was my first product, but then <laughs> I got the Mac and it got even better. Uh, so, and over the time, all my friends started to use Macs. <laughs> then I started the MacBook, and I'm still a big fan of Apple ecosystem on devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really happy about new announcement. <laughs> oh. This is another story. Uh, and so, yeah, and when we were uh, moving to another office, like we had, uh, we collected a lot of ideas from our employees what should be there in the new office how it should be built etc and among the top rated uh, ideas was the Apple Museum oh. <laughs> uh, so we started from very very small collection we had several uh, Macintosh classics mm-hmm. uh, but then I saw the auction of the TechServe Museum uh, oh. in New York they were selling their collection because this uh, uh, shop was closing uh, oh, okay. after 30 years of the operation and I placed Beats and one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you bought, well, now wait a minute. Now, how'd you get all those computers from from that? That's in New York, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was in New York, and it was a 
challenging logistical story. <laughs> but yeah, uh, item by item, we brought this, uh, those uh, machines to Ukraine. We restored all of them, so oh, wow. all of the machines are working. Oh, they are? Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see this experience of evolution of the yeah. customer interface, user interfaces, uh, devices, input devices. So they were so different back then. Yeah. <laughs> and right now we understand like why these decisions were made, what was before, and it's really cool to oh, see. Oh, I bet. Do you have to employ somebody to, to clean the little ball in the mouse with the, the little rollers <laughs> and that kind of thing? We don't use it that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so we still like turn on it from time to time, like a Ferrari <laughs> in the car. So it's like a few minutes, you can play with it. But it is fun. Really. It's fun to go back and see the operating system, too, to realize what it was like. I, I always like to tell the story that I have no vision at all. Never, If I ever predict something, you know it's wrong. Because when we had the 512K Mac, uh, was our first Mac in 1984, I said you'd never need a screen bigger than that. <laughs> I also said, you, why would you ever need anything but black and white? <laughs> didn't Literally, did, the idea of color, what would color be for? What would we even do with that? I don't know. So, <laughs> I look back and then, I think I was wrong. A little bit. Yeah, if you take a look at the Apple Pro display that <laughs> yeah. recently released it. Are, are you going to have to get one of those? Well, they are very professional-oriented. So like, I right. don't think that uh, in the company there will be uh, a lot of applications for that. Okay. But uh, we definitely will have several of these. <laughs> <laughs> you have to anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy piece of machinery. That was that was really amazing. <laughs> I don't need one, that's for sure. No, Steve, you don't need one of those. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to ask you about. I uh, I love your enthusiasm and, and uh, what you're bringing to the Mac community, something that, that I think was missing, because the, the Mac App Store is great, except there's just too much in it, and there's too much that's not good in it, and it, it just really doesn't have the feel that you know you're getting something quality when you look for it in Setup, and I, I think your curation team really needs to be congratulated for doing a great job Thank on you. that. There is one more thing that we have been working on. It's like set up for teams. Oh. Uh, so we believe that we can simplify the app management across the whole organizations. Uh, oh. So right now you have to buy all the licenses separately, transfer right. them somehow, upgrade them separately. Uh, so we believe that we can unify this experience into one account where you can just assign seats to your employees and that's it. Oh, that's and a good idea. Like, all the software they need for the work. Wow, that would be yeah, that would be great. How about how about uh, set up for families? Well, we already have that. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah. So, oh. so we have a family plan. Uh, how much is the family plan? Uh, at the moment, it's fifteen. Fifteen. Um, fifteen bucks. That's the number I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it feels feels about right. How many people can you have in a family? Uh, well, five people. Okay. Uh, and up to seven devices. Oh, okay, and do, that's good because we have a lot of devices between <laughs> us. Do, uh, do you? Do they have to all live in the same house? Uh, well, uh, we we have no way to restrict that. Uh, we right, but I want to know what you, I want to know what you want it to be. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got two grown children, for example. They are my family, absolutely, but they don't live with me because they're grown ups, and they should probably buy their own darn setup subscription. But I was just well, curious. You can con- connect uh, the account with your family and friends, so we, we don't have any restrictions on that. Like the only thing that conflicts with family accounts is businesses, like a lot of small companies, especially. They go, "Oh, uh, we're a family. Uh, it's for cheap. I'm going to use it." Yeah. But uh, in the reality, like developers 
expect uh, like a bit uh, different compensation from organizations. Sure, sure. Uh, that's yeah. why like we are trying to find out the best solution that will work for both families and organizations. Right. I, I don't want to just follow the letter of somebody's license agreement. I want to follow the spirit as well. Well, so, we want to have a great customer experience, so that's why, like, if you share it with your family, your friends, uh, we would love to to have that because it's one more happy customer for us. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. I know at one time Apple had an interesting uh, line. They said the family member has to be in the same house unless they're a student living in the dorms. It was like that specific. Like if they got their own apartment, they're actually adults. You, they should buy their own. But it was something. It was like really that specific. And I remember reading it because I wanted to know could my daughter use it. It was like oh no, my son's still in the door, but my daughter moved out. So and and I didn't do it. And I knew I could have gotten away with it. But that's not the point, you know. I don't think that they still do that. <laughs> no, no. This was a long time ago. That's yeah. that's been a few years. All right. Well, thank you, Alexander. And uh, if people want to find it, it's at setapp.com. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. It was a pleasure. <laughs> All right, great. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad-supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says Support the Show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla Castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.